Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The length, while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about Prost, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. November 11, 11 a.m., 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall, in the pub, in the tab, in the car. Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. So Palmer is a 56-year-old gentleman who had his prostate removed on the 23rd of May. Now, the very exciting thing about Palmer is he's a bit of a good news story. So we're going to talk to him because it's Prostate Cancer Awareness Month and we want to get out there that it's not all doom and gloom when you get diagnosed with prostate cancer and that some people actually have a reasonably smooth ride. So, Joe, take it away. Well, I had the good fortune to meet Palmer in December 2021. And so that was a long, long time before your surgery, five months later. What, what was the time frame so long for you there, Palmer? My issue was that I had... Um, three options. I could um, watch what happened. So active surveillance. Active surveillance. Yep. Um, I could do radiation or I could have the prostectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know what to do because I'm not qualified. Mm. So my major issue has been is that I had to give myself a, a diagnosis and – well, not a diagnosis. What is it? I had to m- decide – A treatment wh- plan. I basically had to give myself a treatment plan and mm. I didn't know anything about it. And every time I went to – a radiation person or yep. I went to a surgeon, it was like buying a car. That was always the best option. <laughs> yep. And at the end of the day, I wanted to sit back and wait and, and have a think about it. Okay, so let's discuss who you went and saw and what, why you ended up choosing surgery over the other options. Okay, so first of all, I went to see a person for the radiation sure. treatment. Yep. And my partner and I were both left there going, that's definitely the best um, okay. There's not going to be too much uh, issue with the sexual dysfunction. There was no discussion about the after effects. 
in 10 years' time, which could have been issues with the bladder. Um, and, yeah, that was that was great. And then I went and spoke again to the surgeon and with some research also looked at the robotics. Mm-hmm. Yep. And my surgeon was very good without the robotics. Yep. Um, but it was still concerning because, obviously, if you've got a robot, it should be better. Yes, yep. Um, so I had to do the research there, which said, you know, he basically said to me, yes, robotics could be good, but if you've got someone who's done it five times or ten times, are they going to be better than what I can do for you? Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, so at the end of the day, I trusted my surgeon. I thought he was a, he would seem to be a pretty decent man. And did he do an open or robotic procedure for you in open. the end? You did he the did open. an open. So yep. as a 56-year-old man, you were given um, the kind of right rights, I guess, to say – You've got prostate cancer. You've got to get it treated. Um, though you did have the option of active surveillance. But how was that pitched to you? That was watching and waiting. Well, my cancer was a 3-4. And mm-hmm. apparently if it's 3, we wouldn't have to do anything. And yep. some of it was 4. Um, it it hadn't gone to the outside of the prostate. It was inside. Uh, yes, yeah, so I was waiting. But obviously I got pressure from my family to say put your big girl knickers on mm. and go out and get it done. And that's what I had to do. Okay. So you would have been quite happy just to sit and wait and have, so active silence means you're getting regular PSA tests yes, and maybe if necessary, if things were changing, MRIs and biopsies. Yep. And after the prostatectomy was done, they did actually find extra cancer that they didn't know about. So I probably did the right thing, even though it was only very small. Okay. That's a very common thing, probably about 80% of the time. Um, the pathologists believe that that's exactly what happens because when we do the biopsies, we're only taking samples and sometimes the biopsies are 14 samples, sometimes they're 20 samples. Now, when it came to the radiation therapy, did you go and talk to someone about the cyber knife or the external beam radiotherapy, the more generalised one? I think it was the general. Okay. Yep. Um, we only so- spoke to one person about it. Yep. And I didn't really take it any further after a couple of weeks of thinking about that because I was getting feedback from others. Okay. Can I ask a question? So it sounds like when you left the radiation guy or person, you were like, this is it, I want to do this. Yep. And then you thought about it for a bit and then you went and got an opinion from a surgeon. Actually, I had a consult with Joe. Ah. And Joe said, well, these are some of the things to consider. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I'd spoken to someone where um, she didn't have any skin in the game. Right. So everyone else, the surgeon wants you to do their thing, the radiation person wants you to do their thing. Mm-hmm. And then I spoke to someone who didn't actually have any skin in the game and I went and she told me everything. Mm-hmm. And she actually, to a point, recommended the robotics okay. to me. But then I had to measure that up. And you decided that the open yep. was the way for you. And did you at any stage speak to a prostate cancer foundation nurse? No. No. Okay. Just for anyone listening, I think... That's a good idea too because, as you say, speaking to someone who's neutral. impartial and neutral and doesn't have any skin in the game is excellent. So I think that's a really and good thing. And the reason I educated you to do the robotic procedure was because there's just a, a tenfold man- magnification on s- being able to work with the nerves and they're just when you're younger, it's usually a higher priority for the sexual function to be uh, maintained or the trauma minimised. And so if someone's 76 and they're not terribly interested in sexual activity – I personally don't have any hesitation, whatever it might be, but that 
that was why I said the robot might be the one for I'm you. I'm just going to say that is so ageist. I have lots of patients in their 80s and 90s still having a lot of interest in their sexual. I'm teasing you. <laughs> I know you're teasing me, but it's up to the patient. Like if exactly. I ask them, are you sexually active? And they say no. Is it a priority for you, for your sexual function? They say no, I haven't had sex for 20 years and I agree. it doesn't bother me. Mm. Then, then then that's the, the questions you've got to ask yourself yeah. as well. Exactly. And one of the things that was scary was I was doing a lot of my research on the computer mm-hmm. and listening to doctors, talking to other doctors, and they were in America, and we don't know what the date was that they were doing it, and you start hearing a lot of things that aren't actually valid now. <laughs> yep. Mm. Yep. So that that was actually, that was one of my worst days. Mm. And I think you're right. I think it's just so hard because with any health issue, there's always different trains of thought, and eventually you just have to go with what you feel comfortable with and what works and you've had amazing outcomes so tell us all about it well um he's speechless i'm speechless (laughs) tell us about your about your continents first because you and joe worked hard on that okay so i obviously had to buy the pads and i got all that together and before i went before i uh had the operation i went to the chemist thinking i could go to the chemist and buy the pads and the fourteen-year-old Asian girl, actually, no, that was that was for the penis pump. The fourteen-year-old Asian girl comes up and I go, oh, I can't ask for this here, not knowing that I can't get one at the chemist. Anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen her. Yeah, face. and I just couldn't ask the fourteen-year-old Asian girl if she had a penis pump, so I didn't do that. But um, no, she probably went, would have slunk behind the counter herself. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought all the pads and everything, but I actually didn't need them. I. I I wore them for a couple of days and I was really only using them to stop the scar on my stomach from rubbing on my jeans when I was <laughs> that was I was using it as a padding. Mm-hmm. So that's been really good. The only time I have no control at all is if I'm doing a number 2. So you have to pop everything in and When you mean a number 2, a poo. Okay. Yep. Yeah. What do you mean by pop everything in? Make sure the penis is in the toilet because mm-hmm. I can't actually Point feel What is it point Percy to the porcelain? Yes. <laughs> The three P's. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So you have to, because I'm a female, right? I'm trying to envisage this, visualize this. So you have to pop everything down. Yes. Because otherwise, you. You actually don't know I'm weeing. So you kind of spray some urine by push, push, bearing down on your pelvic floor exactly. to empty your bowel. Okay. Yep. And I don't know I'm doing it. So. All right. Can um, I ask a question? I've never thought about this, but do men always wee when they poo, or do that didn't used to happen? No. Oh, I well, think women wee and poo at well, the same we, time, we can, do we? We can, but we can we push it. We, we, we go, oh, I need a wee, and we can wee as well. But it's oh. not necessarily exactly the same time. Well, well this is very interesting because a couple of years ago, I had a lovely patient, South African man, mm-hmm. and he said to me, I said, how many times a day do you wee? And he said, five times. I said, so how many times a day do you poo? And mm. expecting it to be once, he goes, well, five times. Every time I wee, I poo. And I said, oh. Surely not. <laughs> he go. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, of course, every man knows. Every time you do a wee, you do a poo. And I'm like, excuse me. And I ran out and asked my husband, every time you do a wee, do you do a poo? And he goes, no, what are you talking about? And um, so I've since been quite curious about this because, no. Melissa, a lot of people, a lot of guys think that they've told me that's what they do. That's normal. I never even thought to ask the question about that. I know it's hard to have an erection. I mean, to wee when you have an erection because I yep. think about that stuff, but yep. I've never thought about weeing and pooing together. No. Okay, so just 
in the history of when you came to see me, and it was pretty rare that you had about five months of preoperative pelvic floor training. Did you did you do pelvic floor that whole time? I did, but not as much as I was supposed to do it. Yeah, so but I, you did it every day? Um, probably four or five days a week. That's pretty good. But I got myself into the habit of doing it when I do a certain task every day. Yeah. So if I'm filling my water bottle, I do it now even. Oh, I'll great. do X number of exercises as I do it because I have three or four water bottles a day. Yeah. So I, do, and so I don't actually Intermittent go, exercise. I've got to do my exercises. I just do it when I'm doing that. So when we met, you actually had a bit of an overactive bladder. You um, were going at least 10 to 12 times a day, we say, to empty your bladder. We say that's three sorry four or five is about average and once at night um you were getting up seven times a night yep and then you'd been put on something called oxytrol patches which helped calm the bladder down so that was from a urologist i think and then you went down to three times a night but 10 to 12 voids per day you'd also had some um bowel issues where you'd had some urgency and this was a long-term problem that you'd had for a number of years. Um, so you actually had a really, really dysfunctioning pelvic floor anyway and a small bladder capacity. So how long had you been dealing with all of that? Well, that's been quite a few years. Mm. And it was only the, the bladder issue that actually uh, made me get the test for the, for the PSA, prostate. Uh. And which is where we've gone to now. Did you have an enlarged prostate? Did anyone ever say your prostate was big? Uh, it was slightly enlarged, yes. Because someone getting up seven times a night would typically be because they had either a urinary tract infection or a very enlarged prostate. So, yep. but but in someone who's only fifty six, that's hardly unusual. Um, and so I feel that with you, it was just a small bladder and uh, what we call overactive bladder, um, and that possibly was why you also had some problems with bowel control. Um, because your pelvic floor was just not functioning very well. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about what bowel issues you had before the surgery? At the end, well, if I needed to go, mm. there was no control. There was basically, there was no holding. I had to go straight away. Mm. So mentally, I had to manage that a lot more efficiently and make sure that I knew that that time was going to be coming and make sure I was in the right place at the right time. Sorry to be a little gross, but yep. did you ever have a bowel accident? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Was that a rare thing? Uh, once is too much. Yeah, once. Yeah, it's too much. So, a, a couple of times, yes. Did you did you ever wear a pad or anything like no. that? No. Okay. And because it wasn't it wasn't every day, it wasn't every week. Yeah. But it was every now and again. I hadn't managed mm. it as well as I could. Because I almost think that that would be almost potentially the most embarrassing thing that could happen yes. to male or female. And this is one of the things that is under-discussed in radiation therapies. So I said to you, look, don't go along thinking that you're not going to get any side effects from radiation therapy. You get side effects in the long term. If you have radiation therapy, you get minimal side effects in the short term. If you have surgery, you get side effects initially that get better over time. And you need to understand the full picture of that. Yep. And it's going to affect not only your bladder, but your bowel and your sexual function. Well, that actually turned me away from radiation because in 10 years time I wanted the issue to be resolved yes yep and um, so yeah we went the frostectomy and do you recall in that meeting with the radiation therapist that they talked about the things incontinence knew that? nothing about it at all okay we left I left buying the new car I was happy mm. that was that was the answer okay hmm. Hmm. interesting and can I ask are the bowel issues any better now yes 
pelvic floor exercises. There you go. So the pelvic floor has helped your wee and your poo. Yeah. I still manage it mentally mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm mm-hmm. – but it's nowhere near as I can actually hold. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for Palmer, I actually – instead of just doing the um, activation of the front urine sphincter, I actually got him to also work on the back anal sphincter so that we had the whole pelvic floor coming in to assist because there was – you know, really severe uh, bladder dysfunction. You were going 15 times a day, um, seven times a night. That's ridiculous. That was leading your – that was a big impact on your life. Whether yep. or not you knew it, you were going to have to be working around your bladder. Were you exhausted yep. from waking up? That's like breastfeeding a baby. I know how to walk around the bedroom in the dark very well. Wow, mm. that's amazing. So how would you say after all this time from when I first met you and now you recovered from the surgery, how many times a night do you get up now? I'm down to one normally. One <laughs> from two, seven? But I have got a UTI from the surgery. So now uh, it has increased a little, but okay. I've got my antibiotics and yep. I'm expecting that to improve. And what about during the day? How many times a day do you do a wee? Oh, it would be at least four or five. At least four or five and maybe a little bit more at the moment because you've got a UTI. Yep. Just sounds like a menopausal bladder. So yep. he <laughs> is now normal. P- prior to the surgery, most bl- blokes are normal. Unfortunately, a Palmer was in it. I'd say pretty, pretty poor situation with continence, even though he wasn't incontinent, but it was definitely... Um, it wasn't nice. No. So let's talk about now the surgery and how that all went for you. Do you remember it being scary? Do you remember feeling overwhelmed? Well, the first operation, basically, and uh, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, it is, it is very scary. Um, mm. Obviously, we've got had COVID, so my partner wasn't even allowed to come mm. in and yep. all the rest of it. But yep. I just I had my big girl knickers on, as my partner <laughs> says, so um, scared the nurse a little. <laughs> oh, my God. We've just had Kath Mazella in here talking about Red Knickers Day, and we might have to get you to help us out yeah, with your promotion. Okay. We, Kath wants everyone to wear red knickers on the outs, red knickers on the outside of their um, jeans and things like that to raise awareness about female gynae cancers so uh, we'll talk more about that but um, moving on to your continence you said immediately post-op you would have had the catheter in for two weeks probably with the open procedure do you remember if that was yucky or painful only when it dropped (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) by dropped (laughs) (laughs) but yes no it was fine that was okay Um, it was a little bit different when it came out when it sorry I've got to recall this when it dropped, so if the bag was full, did it pull it on you? Down, yeah. Oh. Yep. So, but that was fine. It was a matter of management because obviously we weren't used to doing it all the time. Did you have to swap from the right leg to the left leg? I, I did go both sides sometimes. Why do they do that, Melissa? Is that to prevent peronies or? No, it's because when you have the catheter like pulling on one side of the eye of the penis, mm. you get like a pressure area. Yep. So when you like take it to the other side, you get less chance of sore at the end. I just wanted to sleep on the other side. Yeah, the tip of your penis can become really painful yep. from just having that pressure. So you can use lignocaine gel, but also you want to take the pressure off so it doesn't become a sore. Yep. Yeah. Mm. So it was two weeks a long time? It was good to have out. Because with a robotic, it's usually one week with a catheter. When okay. you open, it's two weeks. So that that's one of the big... Um, things that well, the scariest thing is not knowing what to expect. Am I going? Am I not going to be able to control myself now? Am I going to be weeing all over my pants? I don't know. Yeah, but that didn't occur. I, I'm thinking I won't have any control of this at all for weeks or months. 
And many men don't, do they? You know, for weeks, many men are out of control. It's it's pretty anticipated that everyone's leakage. In fact, I get really upset when um, women say to their husbands and partners, welcome to my world, yeah, 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 just put up with it, you know, um, bad luck, you know, it's no big deal. But guys aren't used to wearing pads. They're not used – you're not used to having – liquid coming out of you that you can't control and the amount of leakage potentially that men get is hugely disproportionate to what a woman might experience. So with the loss of a whole organ and the autonomic function, um, it's a massive difference. And so I'll never be in your shoes and you'll never be in mine, but we don't need to um, put men down um, by saying welcome to the world of females because it's very different. Yeah, Much worse for men. Well, oh, absolutely. We've got prostates. We've got man flu. Yeah. Everything's worse when you're a man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it is just a case of everything's relative. Yep. Like, yep. you know, what is – I've seen men that are wearing five pads a day and take it in their stride yep. and other men who are losing 10 grams of urine in a 24-hour period and are really upset about it. Mm. So I think it really depends on yep. – where you're at and how your lifestyle is and what your mental health situation is. And And it is hard mentally. You do feel different and you have those days and you're going, what's going on? Why am I feeling this way? And it's actually harder mentally than physically. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Mm. And I think it's, especially for someone like you, who's always been well, it's probably the first... That was your first ever operation, was it? Mm. I had a vasectomy. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because it's probably the first time ever that you've actually have to like even think about your mortality or... Exactly, yep. And so I think it's a real mental issue. All the will was done, everything was laid The will was done. Yeah. Yeah, I've got the will done and everything. And you hadn't had a will before. No. Well, I had to have it changed. Yeah. Mm. Were you scared having a general anaesthetic? Um, no, because I had had them. Before. I had to have it with the um, vasectomy. With the vasectomy. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Yep. And also, I had the um, biopsy. When I lived in Geraldton, they used to do the vasectomies under local anaesthetic in the yep. ED department. Yep. It was fascinating. Wow. I used to love going and assisting with those. Okay. It's very interesting. But yes, I think a general anaesthetic is much nicer. Yep. I'm going to ask you a question I don't think I've ever asked a patient before, but it's based on the experience of someone else who did not cope very well. When you first woke up and you looked down at what had happened in the operation, do you remember how you feel, felt at what you saw? No, I just saw, obviously, I was on a catheter. Yep. And I had a scar up. Up my stomach, so yeah, I wasn't really sure how I was feeling. Because this one patient that we had, he called himself the bladder man because he was so, so, so distressed when he woke up because he had long white um, compression stockings on. Yep. He's, he had the catheter inserted and his penis had basically retracted. Yep. And he saw his stomach a bit blown up with whatever wounds were normally there and he freaked out because he thought he looked like a transvestite. And he just went through this whole psychotic episode um, and he took about six months to recover from the shock of visualising himself on that day. I think it's hard after that because you're still in bed, you're still relaxed, you're still getting three meals a day, but um, you get to analyse everything after that point. Yeah. yeah. My stomach has changed shape because I've got the scar and I've got a little hollow that I never Mm, had before. Yep. So there's lots of things there. When you feel like you've got an erection mm. you, you look down and you actually don't have one because <laughs> everything feels like you've got one it, it's all exactly the same so yep melissa do you want to ask um palmer some questions about all of that definitely 
so how I never saw you before the surgery. I only saw you after. Um, and so I've only met you recently. And when I first met you, I was surprised because you had done really, really well. You were one month post-op. Yep. You were pretty much continent. You'd had no pain. You were surprised too, I think, about how well you'd done. And I you, wasn't. And you'd had, no, because I shouldn't have been five, surprised Five months either. preparation time. Because you'd you know. seen Joe. Yep. I should have known that that would be good. You'd seen the, the pelvic floor the, fairy. Yeah, the pelvic floor yep. fairy. No, it wasn't the pelvic pixie. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You're the penis fairy. I get this mixed up. Um, and then you, unbelievably, I had, you were a month post-op and you once had had sex because your penis had gone up without anything. And I was like in a state of a... Of amazement. It wasn't without anything. We've obviously had some stimulation. Yeah, but without any yep. tablets no, or without, pumps no, no or tablets anything. or pumps or anything. Yep. I mean, it didn't last very long, mm-hmm. um, but yes. Nothing wrong with a quickie. Yep. And were you surprised? Were you expecting that your penis would work and then just thought I'd give it a go? Or were you expecting it not to work? No, it had started working and we went, quick, let's have a little try of this, see if it still works. Yeah, right. Yep. And so... And you had your first orgasm at that time. How was yes. that? Sorry, can I just ask, how long after the surgery was this? Mm. One month, A couple did you of say? weeks, you told me. Yeah, because you only, I've just checked, you only wore pads for two days. Yep. Mm. Okay, so you felt confident enough then to try and engage in sexual activity two yep. weeks after your catheter was removed, basically. Yep. Okay, yeah. Yep. The um, orgasm, mm-hmm. what are we talking about? Yes, how was the orgasm? That was fine. Um, there is no mess. Night. And it feels the same, if not as strong as before. So Yeah, so I always say to people, go and see a physio because if your pelvic floor is stronger, you'll have better orgasms than yep. you've ever had before. And that yep. was true for you? Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's still only, I mean, we're quite a few months through now. I still have only done it twice. Yeah. The sex. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, I haven't really pushed. I've, I've started using the pump. I've started... I haven't used the tablets at all yet. So, you know, I really have to start to push that now. Yeah, yep. yeah, definitely. Yep. And are you taking, I know I prescribed you the daily dose of the tablet, which is a vitamin pill for your penis. Are you taking that? Yeah, but yeah. I've had to take the other tablet to stop the, the burn. The reflux. So yep. you've been getting reflux. Can you the, discuss that, Melissa? Because sure. so many patients experience that. Yeah, so the reason you get the reflux is when you take Tadatafil or Cialis, as its brand name is, yep. it causes vasodilation which is just a fancy name for relaxation of vessels and things like that and um so you get vasodilation in your penis which is great because you get more blood flow but you also get vasodilation everywhere because it works systemically and when you get vasodilation at the like top of your stomach then the acid that's in your stomach will come back up Mm. so some people you can just fix that purely by making sure you have it with food and have it at breakfast instead of before you go to bed. Because if you have it at night time and you're laying down, it's more likely to Oh, that makes to occur. sense. So okay. you can just be as simple as changing the time of day that you take it. Oh, that's Take clever. it with your breakfast. Because Tadatafil actually lasts in your system for 36 hours. So it's perfectly okay to take it any time of the day. It's not, You're not getting better by yep. taking it at night. So I think that's a really good idea. And if it's really bad... Um, then we can also give you some um, Nexium or something like that. That's worked really well. Yeah, a drug called a PPI and that will settle that acid reflux down. The unfortunate thing about that is is you're now taking two drugs. For yeah, I feel like I'm popping pills all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. So what always, about if you take it every second day? Yes, that's the other option. You can try taking a Tadatafil every second day. The only problem I have with that is that people are more likely to forget yeah. to take something if it's not every day. You know, like... 
when you do it every day, it just becomes part of brush my teeth, take yep. the pill. Yep. So I think I always try and say to people, please try and take it in the morning first with food. And if that doesn't settle, then let's just take the Nexium. It's a short-term thing. Yep. We're not going to do it for a long time. And also don't underestimate how much damage it can do to your esophagus and your throat by <sighs> having acid reflux. So mm. whilst it seems not great to have to take another pill, that is better than having acid burning the back of your reflux. How long am I actually taking that pill for? That's a question I have. Yeah. yeah. So ideally you would take the Tadatafil for two years post-op because that's the time that it takes for the nerves to heal and then you would we would want extra blood flow in that area for that amount of time. All wounds heal better with more blood flow and oxygen and that's why we want you to have that. And then at the end of two years, we will usually say, okay, stop. And if your erections are still happening and you don't, you don't need it anymore, you, never, you don't have to take it again. So, Melissa, I've had so many patients that have stopped taking it within six months of surgery for the fact that their spontaneous erections have recovered and they haven't missed a beat by stopping it. And if they have, I've said go back on it. Exactly. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. But so, we don't need to push it out for two years, do we? No, not if they're getting spontaneous erection. Yeah. But usually they'll stop. They'll say they're getting spontaneous erection and they'll stop taking it. And you'll say, please take particular attention if you are still yes. getting yeah. that. And if you're not, you do need to go back on it. Because as soon as you're not getting them, you're not getting any exercise. Do you feel like there's been any noticeable improvement? We use the word tumescence or blood flow since commencing the Cialis. Commonly called a chubber. <laughs> no, I'm a straight guy. Tumescence sure or chubba? I'm not sure that it's assisting in that way mm. for me. Yeah. But um, I'm just taking it because I've got to do everything I can. Do you have mm. a um, awareness, like little sensations from time to time, where there might be fleeting, yes. nervy sensations yes. or a little bit of blood flow? Yes. Yeah. So that's to me always the best indicator that the nerves are in their recovery phase. Yep. Yeah. And then over six to twelve months, we usually find that builds from a fleeting sensation to in fact one of my patients many years ago said something was interesting that when he went to do a poo and bear down that was the first time he noticed a full erection because okay. that's what we're talking about the same mm. blood vessel so um being expanded through the pelvic floor by that pushing down action so yeah i've asked since then if other guys have noticed it and many say yes absolutely yeah i always get if i say to people are you getting any action down there they'll go oh only when i do a poo um, so yeah, but because you're pushing the blood. I've in. never had an erection while doing a poo. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> an erection anytime is a good erection these days. So <laughs> you started using the pump since yes. I saw you. Yep. Now we've established before we started recording the podcast today that you haven't looked at the videos I sent you or followed the instructions. So <laughs> what have you been doing? Not it's not like having do. a new toy. Tell us what you've been doing and then we'll tell you what you should be doing. Well, I um, Googled the product first of all and it said have to do this, this and this. So mm -hmm. I did that. So Google was way better than my videos, obviously. Well, it, it gave me the instructions. It gave you the, you got to do this and this and this. So uh -huh. I, I, I did that. And obviously you have to pick a ring to fix Fits, fit the diameter mm -hmm. and of course me being a male I had to get the big round ring mm -hmm. <laughs> and you were that, dreaming because it was yep, just floating yep. around and in went, the breeze that didn't really work so we got the proper <laughs> ring and then um, we have to go to a 40% erection and that was okay yeah that worked alright sorry let, take one step back 40% erection is the instruction no no oh. no 
So, <laughs> I'm gonna oh, sorry. As yep. we're talking, I'm going to send you a, a video, another email with the videos in. So, there's two ways to use the pump. There's the Vacurect pump, which is what we're talking about. Is the One way is for rehabilitation. And you've got to think about rehabilitation as purely exercising the muscle of your penis. So, that is you only need to get a, you know, 60%. So, it's pump it up with a large ring because you want it to come up and down, you see. So, that's why you want it to float around in the breeze a bit. Okay. Pump it up. Hold it for one minute erect in the tube and then take it off so it'll go back down like a balloon and then do that three times. So if you think about that, that is like if you went to the gym and you were trying to build up your bicep, you would be much better off lifting a five kilo weight 10 times than you would a 50 kilo weight once. Your muscle's going to get better exercise. So that's what we're doing is we just want him to go up and down, up and down, up and down, five minutes a day. If you do that five times a week, you're pretty much replicating the amount of nocturnal erections you'd get in a, when everything was working. So let's say it's one minute on, one minute off, times three. That's a five-minute exercise yep. Yep. once a day? Yep. Yep. Okay. And that's to replace the nocturnal erections that you used to have yep. that are no longer there while the nerves is in its recovery mode. Yep. And I'm only really trying for a semi-erection. Yes, because okay. you don't need – bigger isn't better, right? Yep. 50 kilos is not better than five. And then when you want to use it for fun, this is when you go down in size with the rings and then you start off with a, you know, you just have the smallest ring you can that you can tolerate. You pump it up. And when you're pumping that, what I find, and I do it on my finger and I'm trying to show you guys now, but you can't see my finger. You pump it up and a bit of blood will go in. If you just wait a couple of seconds, more blood will flow in and then pump a bit more. You can get a vacuate pump to about an 80% erection in that situation. Take the pump off and leave the ring at the base and then you can use it for fun. Then I'm, Mrs. I'm Party time. Comes. I need to paint Mrs. my penis green because it turned into the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yes. It was scary. Ooh. Oh, you're proud of that, aren't you? So it was all veiny and blue. What's, yeah. that, what's that actor's name? Bruce someone? Yeah. The, Bruce. The Hulk guy. Bruce. Yeah. So Mrs. Palmer and Bruce we might call this episode. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think Something we will. Like I think it's going to be Mrs. Palmer and Bruce. <laughs> well, it's going to be called Mr. Floppy, wasn't it? Yeah. No, yeah, so, but Mr. Hulk. When Mr. you pump it up and you have the ring left on the base, you yeah. can leave the ring on safely for 30 minutes because okay. remembering you've you've drawn in venous blood into your penis. Normally you're getting air, arterial blood, so your penis might look a bit dusty blue and it might be a bit cool to touch, but that's okay as long as it's not longer than 30 minutes. Bruce um, Banner. Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Mm. Okay, so Mrs. Palmer and Bruce. So you need to rename your old fella Bruce and paint him green. <laughs> I'm going to put lines on the uh, pump so I can go, can I, get to, can I get to the next level this time? You would not believe how many men say to me, they'll bring their pump in with a little black mark on it. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Now, Joe is showing us all pictures of Bruce the Incredible Hulk. So, the cover art of the comic so, book. <laughs> sorry. When you say, you know, and it hasn't been long, but you've only actually used Bruce a couple of times, <laughs> is that because you haven't really felt like it or is that because it hasn't, like rose into the occasion or well it's a, it's a matter of going excuse me everyone i'm just going to use my <laughs> penis pump i won't be long mm. and, and actually just going to the bedroom in a private time so oh, God. everyone's in the house so i haven't really felt comfortable but, yeah and did you ever have um like did you ever come across penis pumps in your normal life before no. this no I, I had no. a guy this morning i was that... going to the chemist for one no <laughs> yeah <laughs> the 14 year old girl yeah. 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 <laughs> i had a guy this morning say to me i just thought penis pumps were like something they just had in like Austin Powers movies and I just can't <laughs> believe I'm sitting here talking about this seriously. And I was like, yeah, you are. Like, I've just had this vision of maybe we could get you a Hulk costume. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and call your wife you didn't say Bruce is ready. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Oh, dear. So that do you think down the track, but I also gave you some other tablets to try because you've done so yep. well. I've also given you a Viagra and a Spedra to try, which is called a PDE5 challenge, and I think that you will probably do really well with that. I did try a Viagra. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, it didn't really work, mm-hmm. but you did say I should have it on an empty stomach. And yeah. I didn't, so yeah. Viagra works much better on an empty stomach. Um, Cialis or Tadalafil is not affected. What by about that. Spedra? Not affected by food. It's not only Viagra that. Have really you noticed a big difference? I haven't heard anyone say that Spedra was so much better than Viagra. I've found different people react differently. Yeah. So I've had a lot of men who get a great erection with Spedra and nothing with Viagra, wow. and others who do the complete opposite. opposite. I think there's. <coughs> I think of them as. Three different things. If you take Spedra, it only takes 15 minutes to get into your bloodstream. That's the speedy one, Spedra. Yeah, so it's speedy Spedra. So if you go I think out. Mr. Hulk might like that. How I reckon too. Expensive, isn't it? Yeah, it is. $54 for four pills. But I reckon if you go out and you get, hey, how about it? And you've only got time yep. and you don't want your partner to like lose attention, the speedy Spedra is worth the, the bucks. $54 for four pills. Yep. But if you know you're on a promise. Then and Viagra also works for you. It's twenty bucks for twelve tablets. You may as well take the Viagra. Yep. And then I think of Tadadafil in the the biggest dose. The challenge dose of that is twenty milligrams. I think of that as your weekender because you can take it on a Friday and it's in your body for thirty six. That's hours. known in France as La Weekenda. Ah, La Weekenda. Yeah. Okay. Like Viva La <laughs> Weekenda. So yeah, there's all those options. And then thirteen dollars fifty per spedra. Yeah, it's expensive. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it used to be twenty dollars a Viagra yeah. though, and now it's cheap. It's just a matter of time with the patent coming off patent. And, and you yeah. know, look, let's face it. You pay a good eleven, twelve bucks for a pint of beer. If you can't pay thirty, thirteen dollars fifty for a bit of fun. But that's counterproductive anyway. Exactly. So. Forget the beer, take the Spedra, put yep. on your Hulk costume. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so how if you look back on this journey that you've had and you're only a couple of months post-op, like if someone newly diagnosed came to you and said, I'm newly diagnosed, I've never had a sick day in my life, nothing's ever been wrong with me, I'm really freaking out, what would you tell them? And they had prostate cancer. Yeah, so someone in your shoes. The issue with this disease is that I'm not qualified to tell you how to to get rid of your prostate cancer. So I want to know why am I qualified to tell me. Mm. Yeah. I'm not qualified and this is the issue. And I've said to Joe previously, we need someone to actually start to collect data and say, people between these age groups use this treatment and this is the result they got. Between these age groups use this treatment and this is what age, this is the result they got. There's a problem with that though. There's two problems. One problem is, is that every person's chemistry and makeup and physiology is different. So there isn't really a one size fits all. It's only a guide and it's yeah. not, you must do this. Everyone's you still have to choose. True. But everyone's cancer is different as well. And everyone's yep. thing of what's important to them. So for some people, the most important thing to them is just being cancer free. To other people, the most important thing to them is never having to wear a pad. For other people, it's their erectile function. And I think it's really important that you clarify that with your surgeon so that Mm. when he's actually cutting you, he's going, wait a minute, I've got to go easy on these nerves. Yeah, I agree. I think that what we need patients to do is, as you said at the very beginning, which is to go and speak to someone that doesn't isn't an oncologist, a yep. radio oncologist, and isn't a surgeon. Exactly. And say these are the things that are really important to me, and this is can you please help me make this decision? And that's what I think the Prostate Cancer Foundation Australia nurses are so good at. 
because, you know, their salary comes from a non-profit organisation and they don't have any skin in the game personally except to help help. you make the decision and I think that's really good. And then the other thing I think is... Is really, it is really hard to make that decision. And, and I don't think it's that the radio-oncologist or the surgeon's trying to sell you their wares. I think they genuinely believe that that's the best treatment and that's why they offer it and that's why they do it. So It was the fact that I didn't get the full story. Yeah. That was the hard thing. Mm. And this is a common thing I hear. Like, Thank you for contacting Prostate Cancer Foundation that of Australia. Your oh. call is important I'm to trying to just see if, if we can get a prostate cancer nurse. Straight away. So there's a phone number. Mm. To speak to a prostate cancer tele nurse. Okay, we've got a little test going on here. Press two to leave a message for our other team. Thank you for contacting Prostate Cancer Foundation of Australia Telenursing Service. Your call may be recorded for ongoing training and quality purposes. If you do not wish to have your call recorded, please just... press one. Okay, so the number is eighteen hundred. Two two zero zero nine nine eighteen hundred twenty two double zero ninety nine. It's a fingertip away to get to talk to a prostate cancer nurse specialist to help you out. And also, if you're in um, America, England, Canada, any of the places that you might be listening, <coughs> there's prostate cancer foundations in all of those countries. And 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 I think you're right, Mrs. Palmer, Mr. Palmer. Yep. Did you know that such a service existed? No. That's and why I just wanted to see how quickly I could get access to it, and it was. You didn't even know I was doing it and I did it. Yeah. And there's also um, PCFA help, which is like... Group PC help. Sorry, PC help, that's right. And it's groups of men who have been in the situation that you are. And That's they, a West Australian service. Yeah, and they give like... You can go along to their support meetings and chat about things and but stuff. It, even with the sexual dysfunction, apparently 40% of people my age anyway has some sort of dysfunction. Exactly, yep. Yeah. So I'm quite open about all of this now. I'll, I actually go out and I might be with a group of friends and I'll just say, so how's your erection? And they just... <laughs> Great, good on you because that's what we need. Well, one person, a good friend of mine who I'd known for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, actually said to me, he says, oh, actually, I've got some issues. I haven't told anyone about it. And he started talking about it and his wife was there and my partner was there and... Um, he says, oh, you know, we just laugh it off. But I just said, yeah, but you don't think it's funny. You, you know, you're not feeling mm. good about it. So did you give him my card? I can do that. No problem at all. That was <laughs> She's got her skin in this. I, I don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. I don't. <laughs> no, no, happy to. Um, might I just say that we have interviewed um, Ken Bazant in episode 80 who basically set up PCA Help and he's been involved with the Prostate Cancer Foundation support groups. He runs a big one in the western suburbs and a coffee meet up in uh, Hillary's up this way. Mm. But he felt that more needed to be done in a practical sense. So he has his bike ride that he talked about um, every year in Gracetown. 22nd of October. We're mm-hmm. going in it with yep. penises on our shirt. Mm. So um, it's PCA Help is another service where you could potentially phone someone and talk about it and it's to break down these barriers as well Mm -hmm. to enable you not to have to have all your conversations with a health professional, um, especially at critical decision-making times. It was interesting when I asked the question with a group of couples that Mm -hmm. we've been eight or ten couples and the men all looked blank. They did not know what, where to look or what When you going. said, how's your erection? How's, how's all your erections going? <laughs> Instead of saying, how are you going? <laughs> and they all just looked and I could see the head and the brain spinning. <gasps> they and were that, like, maybe he had brain tumour, not prostate tumour. No. Do they, they know you pretty well? Yeah. Do they, did any of them come up to you afterwards and say, 
Uh, what no, was that it, about? It or was a, it was a Christmas in July, so there was a few uh, drinks going by, yeah. etc., etc. But um, they give me they give me some curry about the sexual dysfunction, and I take it on because we we're all having a little bit of fun with it. Yeah. And when I, you say I call cur- it Mr. Floppy, yeah. <laughs> this is the Australian thing, though. Yep. They they teasing you a little bit about sexual dysfunction. Well, no, in a, in we're a, just being very open about it. Yeah, but you don't. You, they're not putting you down. No, no, not they're, putting me down. Yeah. but we're all being really open instead Great. of me going, "Oh no, I can still do that." Yeah. So yeah. yeah, and I just think that's so important because so many times guys come in. I'm sure you see this too, Joe, mm. and they say, "Oh, my mate had his out like four months ago, and his erections are perfect, and he had sex within three weeks, and I'm no like, tablets, and I'm, I'm like, like no. that is no. so rare, and if." You know, I think your mate's giving you a bit of BS, actually, and maybe you need to call him on it because all that does is lying to your friends about this stuff is make them feel bad. Well, I had a patient this morning who I pre-opted and he said, I've got this particular surgeon. He's got the best record in Perth. He goes, he's got 100% sexual function outcomes. I said, nobody has that. So I know he didn't tell you. So it's not possible. We we would never say that. Mm. Um, So... That was as recently as today, this mis- misinformation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think um, expect that there's going to be problems with these things and then let's deal with them instead of just forgetting they're not there. So it's great. And so where to for you now? What, what's next? I just need to go. I'm just working through this 18 months basically and mm-hmm. trying to get the best outcome because when we start the journey, we don't really know what's going to happen and what's happening. I've still got to believe that I'm going to function semi-normally. And you probably will. Yep, I mean, so, you've done fantastic so, so we've far. So still got yeah. to keep working on it. Yep. I'm not perfect with it all, but I'll just keep going. And so, read the instructions. So I penile shall. rehabilitation, the first step in penile rehabilitation is to continue your pelvic floor exercises. Yep, I might just put my paper onto this episode as well because that's what I showed and we published it in General Sexual Medicine. Pelvic floor exercises are a two-for-one. It helps you improve improve your continence for your bowel and your bladder, as you've learned, and your sexual function. That keeps that pump going yourself um, without using a device. Then we've got the medication, the Tadalafil, and that continues for up to two years or until spontaneous erections occur. The pump is to help you um, maintain penile length and girth, and that's to prevent things like Peyronie's disease or penile shortening from occurring. And then you've got the pump that can be used with a ring for sexual activity. And stepping up from that, we would say, if you're not satisfied with where any of those are, we can progress to the intracavernosal penile injections. Is How do you feel about a penile injection? I'm, I'm actually considering it just to, so I've tried everything. Yep. Yep. And it would be nice to have a, a nice erection. And I'm going to be seeing you very soon. I'll, just <laughs> check. I'll, I'll be, I'll be <laughs> waving the flag yes. for, to get Mr. Hulk out. Okay. Actually, it's not Hulk, it's Bruce. Bruce, Bruce Banner. We're gonna <laughs> but um, must I say that I've had like many conversations with men who have said to me it was really emotional having that opportunity to even try one injection because they knew that should they want to have that erection, it, it was there. It was like their best friend came back. And yep. even if they never ended up using the injection, it, it meant that they were just one prick away from, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> from being able to do that and feel like a man again. Look forward to it. Ooh, I think we've got some. I think we might progress. need to. We may not, might need to get back Bruce and interview <laughs> Bruce and Mrs. Palmer, and Mr. Palmer again. Yeah. I reckon Bruce and Mrs. Palmer literally. I'm all five daughters. Yeah, excellent. <gasps> Have you got five daughters? No, Mrs. Palmer has five daughters. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, I missed that bit of the conversation. <laughs> Joey's got a way cleaner mind than I have. Yes. Yeah. I am. I'm He's almost embarrassed. Yeah. I'm actually she's like, blushing. my name is actually, her name's Prudence, but actually I'm Prudence. Okay. Yeah. She's Prudence. She pretends she's not, but she really is. Mm. So thank you so much. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed with you today that you think would be important for other men to hear? I think we've covered most of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have... Oh, I've got one quick question okay. I wanted to ask you. How's your partner with this? So you have a female partner. Yes. How is she dealing with all of this? She's very supportive, but it's, it's almost at first she didn't know what to do. She didn't know, will she hurt him? Will she, can she touch him? Can You know, she didn't really know. Mm. Uh, the first time I went uh, Bruce Banner on her, <laughs> <laughs> she was scared. <laughs> she went on going to do that. <laughs> It's a common misconception yes. that women like big penises, especially yeah. green ones. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anything else to say, Jojo? Yeah. I'm, one of the most important things to me is that you can get back to not only good sexual function and urinary control and bowel control, but back into your everyday life, your sport, your work, you know, without having this in the forefront. How, how's all that going? Just life. Nothing's changed there now. I mean, everything's fine. I had to go easy for a few weeks. I mm. used to like going to the gym and um, I've put on five kilos since the operation. Oh. You said the food at Bethesda Hospital was particularly good, five meals a day? Yes, with all with dessert. <laughs> so, yes. But, um, yeah, moving forward, it's all looking forward to the rain stopping and the sun shining. Mm. Perhaps there's... Bruce Banner's been in the background just building up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Palmer and Bruce, for making an appearance today. And hopefully I can see, I think that's your lovely partner trying to call you, is it? Ah, right. <laughs> Asking what the hell. I've got a patient from South Africa that I meant to have called at five o'clock. Oh. Um, saying, where are you? <laughs> All righty. So... Um, thank you so much again for coming in and hopefully we're going to speak to you again in like a year's time and we'll find out if Bruce is all functioning on his own or if he still needs a uh, I'm 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 predicting hand. this is going to be more like a six-month review. I reckon too. I'm hoping you're correct. Yeah, I reckon you've done really yeah. well and hopefully your surgeon will listen to this and just go, I'm a legend. And, and just keep moving through because we actually don't, even though we get this information, we don't take it all in and all these things are happening to us. we just got to keep moving forward. Yeah, that's right. One footstep at a time. Exactly. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to the penisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases. And this helps our podcast to get more people And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Women, just a
see him growing so fast into a man 